let me do the dumb intro. <laughs> do we even need to have an intro, honestly? Welcome to Xander's Rants. Today, we'll be talking about Battle Angel Alita, or Alita Battle Angel, as the Americans call it. And I am with my guest, Telly. Hello, everybody. To the five people who are listening to this. <laughs> I, I doubt it. Probably one person. The one guy I know from Twitter. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, an audience is an audience, man. Alright, I guess we'll be talking about our general thoughts about it before we go into more spoiler territories. And then I'll probably be comparing more of the manga and the OVA since I read the first five-ish books of it. And I watched the OVA. Five? How many, how many books are there for this? Well, manga. Or uh, no, manga. Books. My apologies. Yeah. I think it's like the first one is like eight and then there's two sequels i see um, some of the stuff that is shown in the flashback are only in the last sequel okay i don't think they're in these original books okay as far as i know i don't know because i didn't get very far but i'll explain that later all right i did read to where supposedly the movie ended and that actually technically ended in book two so Okay. But they put a lot of other things that are in the other books in, in it. Uh-huh. What are your general impressions of the movie? Oh, since you've only seen the movie, Sound I assume. Effect. Yes, I've only watched the movies. So, I thought the movie was fine. I thought it was a fun movie. And uh, that's it. That's as ge- if we're if we're talking just very generally speaking, I thought it was fine, and that it was fun, and that's it. What type of people would you recommend it to? Honestly, this is the kind of movie that you know you would watch if you want to catch a matinee, and you just want to watch something that has visual eye candy, and is just kind of it has fun actiony sequences and fun special effects sequences, and there's a typical kind of origin type story yeah i think i think this is for everyone honestly it's it's fun it's a fun kind of shut your brain off let the visual eye candy entertain you for the two hours or whatever how long this movie is and now if yeah for this this was meant for i think anyone really Hmm. i think this is a good i guess c plus b minus movie Uh, oh you're gonna use grades now okay well, I've always <laughs> used grades. Ah, uh, boo. Boo, boo, boo. Yeah, I think even though I watched the movie first, I have seen, like, reviews of the OVA, but I never, like, watched it before I watched the movie, so I wanted my first impression to be the movie, so I don't have any preconcept notions. Huh? Watching the movie, it did feel like really cheesy things that Hollywood put in there. Well, and... this was co-written by James Cameron and another writer. Uh, uh-huh. So perhaps this is kind of their, if you want to, if you want to blame anyone for the cheesiness, I suppose you could point your finger at them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did make Avatar and Titanic. So That's true. I believe the movie is very, adequate yes, i guess story wise mm-hmm. and then the 
action is decent. It's not amazing, but is decent. And unlike a lot of modern things, you can tell what's going on. Although I do think that lately the movie's action has toned down the sporadic nature of things and have actually slowed things down. So it's not nearly as bad now than it was like five years ago. What was interesting, I think the action in this movie is pretty good, but it's not nearly as good as I thought it was going to be, considering it's from an anime. Like, I thought there would be crazier stunts, crazier stuff that happens, but ironically, for the most part, it's actually fairly grounded. It's a little disappointing in that sense, but... I guess in another sense, if you're just watching it and you don't care about anime, then it makes more sense that, oh yeah, however they're fighting makes sense for how they were fighting and they didn't sacrifice coolness for story, I guess. But I feel like this is the movie that you probably should put more coolness in sacrifice of story because the story isn't exactly amazing. But the story is like technically more important than the action in this movie, even though the actions, like I said, is actually pretty well done. So yeah, if you're someone that just wants to watch a movie and you like cool action fights, I would recommend this movie. Yeah, I think I agree with your breakdown, I suppose. Yeah, this is fun. This is not a movie that necessarily wants to say anything profound. It was a movie that was just meant to entertain. It was meant to be fun. Meant to see, it was meant for people to see really cool stuff on the screen. Like I said about you know have, having visual eye candy and all that. It's, it's a it's a it's a movie to just just kind of get away for two hours and watch cool stuff on the screen. I will say that at least doing semi digging with it, I think this did influence a lot of other animes and and stuff after it. But you mean like the manga? As far as like the history of science fiction storytelling? Sort of. Maybe not like directly this story, but just stuff that was coming out around that time. It sound seems like there wasn't that many of it, but I could be wrong. Without well, saying too much in the non spoiling section, it's a little hard. I just I meant it for more like I'll talk about it more later. Well, when did the manga come out? I'm going to guess you know that because okay. I, I have to. Uh, I would have to look it up. Uh, okay. It's in the 80s. But back okay. our, the origin of how James Cameron got to this, I from everything I heard, I haven't seen like interviews with him about it. So I'm not 100% on this. It's just Digiro and some of the other people I mentioned this, that James Cameron acquired the rights to make this film after he saw the OVA. And the OVA oh. was in the 80s. Okay. But they put a lot of this film is uh, very faithful to the OVA. Oh, okay. But the OVA was two episodes, mm-hmm. 30 minute or so episodes. And I guess the fans of the mangas doesn't actually like some of the stuff they did with it. And surprisingly, this film is kind of a fusion of both the stuff that was in the manga and in, in the OVA. Cool. And then they added the dumb Hollywood dialogue in there that didn't exist. But, <laughs> but without spoiling it, that's all I can really say. One of the negative things I, I have with this movie, 
but this only really comes into effect if you care about them adapting things is that the manga and the OVA the look of it is very much in the lines of the 80s and 90s cyberpunk anime look okay and it's uh, very much like trigon cowboy bebop like that kind of look mm-hmm. and for whatever reason this movie decided to do blade runner 2099 and not the original blade runner oh because the original blade runner would look closer to what it should look like rather than 2099 where there's this orange filter over everything at least in the beginning parts of the movie yeah. and, and they... one of the characters having like some weird futuristic bike thing that didn't exist in the manga or the anime but yeah it sort of turns up aesthetics i think one of the guys i watched said that hollywood has never been able to nail down the early 90s late 80s cyberpunk anime aesthetics you know i'll pro- i'll go into more detail about that later on but yeah is there anything uh for the general thing before we go into more details not really i mean again anything i have to say about the movie uh, is again only just based on the movie i haven't read the manga i haven't seen the ova so i haven't really i have nothing else really to say i mean i i had a good time I had fun watching it. It was a nice way to spend my Saturday. I don't know if I'll ever purchase this movie and put it on my shelf of movies, but you know, it was fun. I had a good time. Yeah. Okay. Going into spoiler territory, at least for you, is there any criticisms, any, I don't know, pros or cons or whatever it is? I see. For you first, because you only watched the movie before right. I go into a deep dive of, you know, everything else. Um, for a movie that's being marketed as from the minds of James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez, like it was just kind of ordinary. It felt ordinary to me. Yes, the special effects are grand and they're amazing, and you know all the technological elements of the movie. That are that they kind of that are you know there like the mocap and all that yeah that stuff's amazing and all that but the story isn't necessarily new as far as like the kind of structuring on the, and all that um, it's very it's a very familiar type of story and you know I, I'm at a when I I'm at a place where I when I watch science fiction movies I kind of want more than just like a hero's journey kind of story. I mean, I'm, this is not to rag on that kind of storytelling or anything, because it is—it's effective and they're fun. It's tried and true, but I kind of wanted something more from these filmmakers because of, especially from James Cameron's repertoire of, you know, cinematic history and all that. If that makes any sense. So it, this movie for me felt very ordinary, and I kind of wanted something more as far as maybe ideas or you know something like that i don't know if that's even i don't even know if that's a fair criticism or not but yeah it it felt very just ordinary and kind of whatever um this is a weird nitpick so i don't know if it necessarily i don't this is yeah this is a weird nitpick but i don't like 
the use of music in the movie. <laughs> I think there's way too much of it. Um, this kind of orchestral music that's kind of lingering in the background that's supposed to supplement whether if it's like scenes with Alita and um, the the love interest character. Gosh, I forgot his name. Uh, my apologies. But, you know, moments like that where, you know, Alita will be having like one-on-ones with other characters and there's just this music in the background. And to me, that's distracting. I particularly didn't enjoy that. I mean, I guess I understand. It's kind of like a throwback to like, it felt like a throwback to like older movies where there'll be this kind of sound, like music in the background. But I, I, I would have appreciated, I think this just says more about me, how I don't like the use of music for dialogue scenes. I kind of like it when it's just quiet and it's just the ambiance of like the environment and the characters talking. So yeah, that's a strange nitpick and it's, a little unjustified, but that's just my personal preference. I didn't really like the music, the use of music throughout the movie. Um, uh, but yeah, other than that, I, you know, yeah, it, this was just so ordinary and I kind of wanted something a little more, but maybe all the good stuff will come in the later movies. If like the sequels get greenlit, because the movie did well financially, which I'm not sure, which I'm not sure of those numbers, but yeah, I mean, that's really all I have to nitpick about. I mean, it was just whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, at least what's funny about your last comment and I wouldn't even know about this. Well, it's only because, the, um, I was listening to podcast called Anime World Order. Apparently, they're the longest running podcast ever. And okay. um, actually, it wasn't. It was, he was just a guest on another podcast, Annie Gamer, I think. And <clears throat> yeah, they were talking about Alita there. <laughs> he noticed that the music is basically Robert Rodriguez's. Um, Garage band, or something along those lines. Like it's basically his band. Oh, his like so he so he so Robert Rodriguez composed the music. Yeah, according to him, I don't know this because uh -huh. you know I haven't seen that much of his movies. But yeah, I mean, you know, if there's okay, it's not that you bring that up. If there's any, if there's anything to say about Robert Rodriguez's footprint, yeah, he's he's very much kind of like I'm gonna I do it I do it myself kind of mentality and it. It, it kind of makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I'm sure he had a hand in like the editing and like, and the music and all that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. I get it. I think according to them, they're like, they weren't sure how much he actually like did anything with the script because James Cameron probably just, you know, mostly wrote it or whatever with the yeah. other guy. Yeah. But um, I feel like, yeah, the acting. I was just like, oh my gosh, what is this? I guess it's Robert Rodriguez movie. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I I, I, didn't, I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier, but only because you brought it up. Yeah, this felt like a Spy Kids movie, but for like an older audience because of like the action. <laughs> yeah, I think other people I've met said something along those lines as yeah, well. Yeah. It's just like yeah, it yeah. feels like Spy Kids acting. Yeah. And and they're probably shooting on a green screen like in Spy Kids. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know. For a uh, lot of that stuff, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of green screen work. But 
which is why like this movie felt ordinary to me kind of like a weird throwback as far as like the dialogue how the dialogue feels and the, how the music feels and even just like the mannerisms of all the characters and how they kind of present themselves there's something kind of childish about it and maybe that's the intention it was not meant to be this serious hardcore science fiction type movie it was kind of more again for like an open like a more broader audience to introduce them to this kind of world but have that have those kind of characters there as something familiar i don't know if this is more like b-movie schlockiness or not because i know he's kind of into that um style of like cinema and all that but um to me again it just felt ordinary (laughs) yeah i think the the issue with this movie mainly is that I wonder how much the PG-13 was hurting them. You know what? I, uh, so I'm going to go on a limb here and say that the, the manga is probably a very violent, as typical with a lot of manga. There's probably a lot more kind of brutality going on. Am I, am I, say, am I correct in saying that? I'm well, making a huge assumption here. It's an 80s anime. Okay. You, you know, 80s anime is like Fist of the North Star. Yeah, yeah. You okay. know, it's a... You, you know... A, they explode in blood and guts kind of thing. I mean, there's not nearly as much in this because it's tamer, but sure. But, uh, so, so, okay. So I'm, I'm, I, so I am kind of on the right trail then. So this could have potentially been a much more violent movie had they had maybe adapted it much more closer or if they like when, like as far as adapting, from the pages of the manga to the screen when it comes to the action and the fight sequences and all that. Yeah. So, so I, yeah. I think now that we're getting into more of the differences between the different adaptations. So in the movie, they set up, Oh, he had a daughter. He gave this body it was his daughter's body, yeah. gave it to her. The, the mom was also kind of there for some reason. In the OVA, I'm going to start with the OVA because the OVA is clearly the thing that James Cameron watched, mm-hmm. you know, and they adapted that, oh, but adding things from the manga uh, to flesh it out more. Because mm-hmm. I thought that some of the stuff, or some of the really dumb, the sappy stuff is James Cameron or whoever wrote it. Uh, yeah. But some of the other things, you're like, oh, that's weird. Why did that happen? Oh, it's because it was actually in the manga. But mm-hmm. but then they were meshing it with what was happening in OVA. And I believe from what I seen in the OVA, it looks like Yeah, because it was, you know, just two episodes of an OVA and so they they had to cut corners. Um mm-hmm. they, they changed the story a little bit. Um they rearranged some things, made uh, certain characters important and not important. In the manga, the professor did not have a wife. Uh huh. She was not in it at all. So, mm-hmm. so she was only in the OVA. I see. And um, this weird people taking control, uh, or Mister Evil Bad Guy taking control of the body to talk to people, that did not exist in any of these things. That was clearly made up for the film. Okay. Um, you don't meet in the OVA. You never meet this guy. You never meet the the ultimate bad guy guy 
and then mm-hmm. and in the manga you only you meet him after the stuff that happens in the in the movie mm-hmm. which is probably why they wanted him you know to shove him in in this movie because of that sure feel like they could have done a way better way than just to make him control everybody but although it's possible it's possible that happens later in the manga because i didn't read all of it um <laughs> so i yeah so i basic um so in the manga basically sim just to be short about it basically um the first two books is the events of the movie and then it's rollerball Mm-hmm. And then after th- that happens, after the rollerball stuff, this hasn't happened in the, you know, this will probably happen in the sequel to this movie if it actually comes to exist. It seems to be doing well in China, so maybe. I mean, that is uh, a target market, so. Yeah, so, and from what Digi was saying, people have told him that it actually gets more interesting later on. Kind of generic in the beginning, but later on it has more of the philosophical stuff. It has more stuff that influenced people apparently, but I don't know if that's a hundred percent true because I haven't read through those stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she like in the original ending, she like becomes a tree or something, but that was retconned. Mm-hmm. But like I said in the movie, they technically only went through the first two books. But yeah, so it's really interesting that um. The OV8, they buffed up Mr. Guy that fights her more than once. Hmm. Like, they buffed up his role or whatever. He's like, oh, you, you know, telling the, the wife or whatever. That did not happen at all. And he didn't get some upgrade from her like that. Basically, in the manga, he just, uh, he fought her the first time and he's destroyed her body. And then that's when he, when the professor puts her into the new body. And then she fights him again underneath the what was it the bounty hunter place oh yeah yeah that that's when she kills him so she only fought him twice in the ova uh they met basically how they met in the movie and then she doesn't actually get that new body she just fights him basically instead of him smashing it and jumping into the uh, underneath the tavern or whatever it is uh, they're just like let's go fight somewhere else and they fight in the junkyard Mm-hmm. And then she just kills him there. The movie really beefed up his role for some reason. Because there wasn't an actual villain in the movie, that's why. They need, they well, need to have there was a villain. Of... There were well, four you... villains. <laughs> that sure, was the problem. But like, yeah, but, like, but of the four villains, only one was like a physical threat. Like, You know what I mean? So of course you need to, you need to like bump up the role of that villain because that's how you can start introducing physical conflict. Well... The thing is, the biggest thing that the movie did wrong is that they did a very disservice to the love interest. Oh, yeah? The love interest story, in both in the OV8 and in the manga, was way better. He was a... So in the manga, when you meet him, you just meet him uh, because he was like fighting some other people. And then I guess she got knocked really far away. And then she just like meets him and talks to him. And then and he kind of was like trying to protect her. And, and keep in mind that they're like, they look like they're like 14, 15. So that's what her mentality is. That's why she's like a 14, 15 year old. And he's like that too. 
which makes way more sense in the story and not like this guy that looks like he's 27, you know, <laughs> you know, and acting like, you know, trying to date a 14 year old is, is sure. kind of weird in both the OV8 and in the manga. He didn't really have an interest in her. In the OV8, he meets her because he was fixing the professor's like windmill or something. So he was just that does happen in the manga, but that wasn't the first time he meets her. And then he's just like, "Oh, I'll take you to this secret place that's only in the OV8 as well." And it was just like, you know, some tall building. It wasn't like something amazing, like where they went or whatever. They made that way more elaborate than it should have been. In the manga, when they first met, they were basically around in that area. She just climbed up some stairs, and that was it. It's like they were already there, basically, at the her secret hiding space or whatever, which actually plays in a role in the story, unlike in the in the movie. In the manga, they walk somewhere else, and they're like, he's like, what? The? There's all these dead bodies, and he didn't realize that she was the one that killed all of them. And then he immediately took out a crowbar and started trying to pry the guy's uh, call, uh, spine off. She's like, what the heck are you doing? He's like, man, they're just laying here. They're dead, man. You can fetch a good price for this. So it, it was already evident in the manga that, yeah, he's not a good guy. Mm-hmm. I think in the OV8, I don't think she knew about that. But yeah, they also toned that down, as you can tell in the movie. He was just like, oh, I'll just steal your arm, I guess. In the manga and in the OVA, like, no, he was stealing people's spines. Mm-hmm. Because that's like an organic thing that they can't reproduce, so it sells a lot in the black market. He was a scroungy... Basically, he was Aladdin if Aladdin was a jerk. Like, he would be stealing and stuff, and then his obsession of going to the the floating city... You find out later on that wasn't his obsession. It was his brother's obsession. And his brother and his brother's wife was or is raising him. And then uh, his brother made like a balloon or he was going to like just see where it is. And then the day he was going to do that, his brother ends up dead and they were like burning like the balloon. And then he, it was obvious to him that his his wife uh, betrayed him, basically. He basically never wanted to see her again, even though she wasn't kind of trying to protect him. So that sets up, obviously, him just not caring and distrust, and then he just wanted to fulfill his brother's dream. Like, this is way more interesting. I don't know why they... I guess because, oh, it's the PG audience, I guess. So... They, and well, and we have to make be... him likable. I Yeah, <laughs> there's that element. Also, you know time in order to kind of develop that kind of character arc well you, you everything i said a... everything i said was in the ova mm-hmm. in the hour ova so they did have enough time to time to do it none of those people he interacted with were real characters mm-hmm. the only time you saw like like the friends barely interact with uh, alita uh, they actually never went to that spaceship which I guess somebody else said that's a better change. It's just the professor just happens to have the berserker armor. Mm. To me, it felt like way more of a detour. Uh, basically, all the stuff you know about the backstory or flashbacks was not in it. Like I said, it's probably in like one of the really later books. 
So what the movie did was basically they tried to cram everything in is what the movie tried to do. And then I guess James Cameron wanted to make Titanic and Avatar again with the love story. Uh, so he changed it. I think somebody accused him of being like like Leo. Like he's acting like he's Leo from Titanic. But he <laughs> isn't Leo from Titanic. But yeah, but he's supposed to be like a 14-year-old kid that just wanted to make enough money to go up there because it was his brother's dream. Uh, and he didn't care by what means necessary. Uh, and then she was just infatuated with him because when she interacted with him, he just had a really positive attitude about him love at first sight kind of deal sure um and then uh, her offering her heart to him was not in the ov8 it was in the manga but she wasn't offering her heart to him it was in a bet she was like oh if i lose to you in our wrestle you can crush my heart right <laughs> so it has nothing to do with it. the professor uh, as far as we know doesn't know anything about her past doesn't know to the extent that he does in the movie where he knows everything about her and they were going after her harder order that that was not a thing at all like as far as everybody knew like they don't they didn't know why she was like so powerful and she only started realizing like oh she has some kind of martial arts training uh during rollerball she didn't really have that happen before that I mean, people were surprised she was able to beat people, obviously, but I don't think they put, like, oh, she's an ancient martial arts. As far as I know, I could be mistaken about that point. But yeah, a lot of the setups and stuff was taken from the OVA, although they added back in stuff because the first scenario where she where she goes and tries to confront the professor of him, like, oh, are you the murderer? And, and you know, it looks like he was going to kill the girl or whatever, and he was like, oh, no, now she got away, and then fighting him. That was it in the manga. It was just that. It was she was just fighting that girl. And in the later scene, when she becomes a bounty hunter, she ends up finding the two guys. In the OVA, they were like, "Oh, thank you for bringing her to us." And then you just see the two guys, and then you never see that that girl again, if I remember correctly. Like I don't think like she even comes down to try to stop him from from uh, attacking the girl. Girl, I think he was just gonna uh, attacking one of the guys. But yeah, it's like they combined the, the two scenes. Because I thought like, oh, that they made up a bunch of stuff. But then no, it's actually a lot of stuff was either in the OVA or in the manga. The, the one thing that they did change was, uh, his name is Hugo, I believe. The kid. Hugo's story. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just the love interest. And I feel like, yeah, they changed it for the worse. And, and that's why it was so generic. Because they were making everything so generic. In the OV8, the only reason that dog existed was so he can die a bloody death. Yeah. But they didn't show it in the movie. So in the manga, the dog was there, but the dog didn't die. It was like saving a baby or something. That's why it was in the scene. I think the biggest problem, and I mentioned it earlier, is that they got the atmosphere wrong. Um, yeah, especially so the city, I, but yeah. I imagine this was supposed to be like a very kind of grim, always rainy kind of vibe. But it was very bright, like during the day and all that, you know? That, that like, I don't know if that was... That did feel a little strange for a, for a sci-fi movie of this kind. That, like, during the day, it was very brightly lit and all that. But I don't know. The first part where he's in the junkyard uh -huh. is almost a shot for shot of the oh, okay. OV-8. 
but then they took that aesthetics and kept on going with it uh-huh. because it became like mostly night aesthetics and really like Blade Runner, original Blade Runner look. I would describe the setting like as if it was an industrial factory and everybody died off and then people settled there and then put like a Western town on it. Like I said, like Trigon, Cowboy Bebop, like that kind of thing vibe to it. The one thing is that at least in these beginning chapters, why he was aiming for that is that um yeah she is very naive so that keeps it from being crazy dark Mm -hmm. yeah that's the biggest thing it's just tone is the biggest issue here it's like oh the fight scenes are it's actually kind of cool and what was funny is that a lot of the fights are actually almost shot for shot like either the manga or the anime Mm. but ironically that makes it less flashy because the manga isn't going to translate exactly to moving pictures and then the ov8 was probably cheaply made you know it wasn't like crazy amount of fighting like a dragon ball or something so it's actually fairly faithful to what happens but like i said the problem is they took out the sting of everything and everything is like kind of bright so it doesn't seem like oh this cool dark when they're fighting i wish they uh were able to make it way more like the manga i guess or you know, man, they man, could have man. totally gone the route of streaming and just make this into like a 10-part series. But then they decided to do a theatrical type of, a classic theatrical type of release. Um, well, I think the other thing, even for me now, I didn't think about it. Like, keep in mind is that this was a thing that James Cameron wanted to make for 20 years. From what I heard from what did the, what did the other guys say, is that um he he basically was choosing to either make Avatar or this, and he chose to make Avatar. And I think he realized that the CGI wasn't up to the level for him to make Alita, is what it was. So it wasn't until now that they were able to make it. So actually, a lot of the things that he did, the things he did, was actually to make Alita. Mm-hmm. So you can say that script could have easily been from the '80s, which would have made a lot more sense. Sure. But I assume the design and everything would not have looked the same. You know, I mean, James Cameron, you have to think about what he was making in the 80s, right? Or especially the first type, Terminator. Like, that looks way more like the aesthetics in the first Terminator looks way more like Alita Mm -hmm. than here. And, And, you know, like you could say the romance in Terminator was really sappy, too. Yeah, but I liked it better than in Alita. Yeah, yeah. Have you, did you watch Bumblebee? The Transformer movie? Yes. No. No. Uh, that no. was actually a good movie. But that also felt like it was... They were trying to make an 80s, 80s movie now. And uh, some of the charm of it being an 80s movie... They were trying to do it, but it didn't entirely succeed. Kind of felt like that was a problem here, too. But also because Robert Rodriguez was the one directing it, probably. <laughs> didn't help sure. with that part. Although, I guess uh, it probably helped with staying under budget. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of his first big budget movie in like a long time, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, he made Sin City, so I don't know. Yeah, so like Sin City till now and everything in between. I don't think he's done any big movie at this scale. You know what I mean? Maybe, I'm not sure. He's been doing, like, the Spy Kids movies and, like, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, where it's kind of very 
uh, you know, low, lower budget, but then kind of, you know, big action kind of pieces and all the set pieces and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Now that I think about it, the way that the action plays out is actually not that dissimilar to like El Marachi or, or that type of thing where he just, where people can realistically actually do these moves. Sure. And like, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I hope I don't come across as that as either. I, I still enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Um, I go, so I had fun. Yeah. I think for and, the most uh, part, I like the movie. I just hate that. Like in, uh, and I know you don't agree with this, but you know, like in Blade Runner 2099 is like, Oh, what happened to this cool dark cyberpunk look? It's for whatever reason, that's, they just don't want to do that right now. Hmm. I don't know. Is there anything else? Um, regarding Alita, not really. This was the first. That was the first movie I watched for 2019, and it was a good start. It was. It was fun. It was. I had a good time, and it was cool to watch. And in that sense, the movie kind of succeeded for me. I, for myself personally. I think a movie is really special to me if I end up buying it, like and and like on Blu-ray or something. Um, and for me, I don't think this that'll be the case for me here. But this is not to say that the movie was by any means bad or anything. It was just ordinary, but I had a good time watching it. And that's that's really that's really it for me. Yeah. Um... Yeah, exactly. That's that's the correct. I that's the uh, correct feel I have for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, reading the manga and even watching the OVA. Oh, that's I forgot about it. Oh, you, you saying that? Oh yeah, they have the beef of that guy or whatever. Um, yeah. The guy that ends up beating Hugo up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or going after him in, in the bounty thing. That one bounty hunter with the who was you mean the bad guy from Deadpool? <laughs> I mean that character was in it, and he, I guess, depending on which version you're watching. So in the OV8, so I think in the OV8, what happens is that the guy that ends up framing him is a completely random character mm-hmm. uh, that has a sword. It oh, that, okay. It could have been him, but he wasn't really introduced in in there in that way. Basically, when Alita catches up with Hugo and then talks to him, this is when he tells his backstory to her about why he wants to go to the city and his brother and stuff. And then the bounty hunter that killed his brother is basically the guy that comes after him. And then she ends up having a fight with him. It was like raining and thunder was happening. And then she ends up conducting electricity that lightning was just strike at him. Because he like his blades were like too much for her or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why they cut that that out. I guess because you know they were putting everything else in, like the motorball stuff wasn't really a thing in the when these events were happening in either the OVA or the manga. Like it was like the next thing that happens, but I guess they wanted to set up motorball in this movie more and have a motorball action scene, which wouldn't have happened. There's like a an actual antagonist that was important to Hugo, and he was there for both the manga and the and the OVA. 
And then it was when she was trying to escape with Hugo is when the guy was like, oh, hey, you're trying to escape. Oh, did you murder him? You know, you had to have murdered him. And then in the manga, yeah, you thought that she probably murdered him. Then you find out, oh, yeah, she did put, pump the, her heart into the blood. It wasn't Professor's wife character didn't exist. So she thought of to do that. Alita thought that. But in the OVA, it was the Professor's wife that told her to do that. Mm-hmm. I feel like that character could they could have beefed up more, uh, considering that was like her only like real kill. Like that character was actually a threat to her, that she had to like you know do like a trickery to kill him. Yeah, but I do think even the OVA or the manga is is more interesting than the movie. But I would recommend just either reading or watching the the manga, not so much the the movie, unless you just want to watch fight scenes that it has some of like I said I was right. a little let down of the fight scenes but they're actually fairly accurate to to the the manga and anime so you know I can't complain too much uh, no yeah no this is again this is not this is for a broad audience this is not for like fans necessarily unless like I said I was right. a little let down of the fight scenes but they're actually fairly accurate. You know, I can't complain too much. Uh, no. In either cases, she did not get that blade from him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really weird that she just stole his sword and that was it. No, that blade was made in the motor ball. So that blade did not appear at all in the OVA, but in the motor ball sequence her sponsor or whatever like they ended up like making her that sword and that sword looks way cooler in in the manga and it shows up later and they added um it's almost like a butterfly knife it's like a giant butterfly knife um which is kind of cool and according to this uh sword youtube guy that talks about sword accuracy and stuff he's like yeah this this blade that she uses in the manga looks way more what an actual blade should be to be able to cut things and not the blade in the movie. That looks really weird. But I actually wonder if that blade is a blade from some later chapter. Because I read it like another chapter uh, later on that like somebody gives her, it's like, I have reconstructed a blade for you and it kind of looks like that blade. So I'm not sure, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I got nothing else. You got anything else you want to add? <laughs> I don't think so. Cool. All right. Well, viewers, you guys can decide whether or not you want to invest your two hours into this movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It's a nice way to kill two hours. And uh, But that's that. That's, that's it, though. Nothing necessarily special or profound. Just kind of fun. And I would say if you just wanted to watch something for fun or whatever, then you can watch that, the movie. But if you actually cared about anime and stuff, I would say, yeah, either watch, watch the OV or uh, the manga or read the manga. I think they're uh, way better told in either of those cases. Um, but definitely the manga is way better told. As far as I've read, it's not like anything amazing. So, yeah. So I'll stop it now.
Well, you're not going to sign us off officially? You're not nope, going to... No, I'm just... I did have my friend make some sound effects, so I'll eventually put those in. Oh, uh, gosh. Nah, boo. Yeah. Boo, boo, boo. Boring. Antiquated. Well, you're looking at your thesaurus now? No, I've always used the word antiquated. Okay. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm a genius.